This is a testy. This is my testies. Oh. Hang on. Do you have a green light on yours? No, not when it's t- not when it's here. Oh, okay. oh right. then we're good. Yeah. And we're live. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning to the world. We didn't. And that's our jingle for today. That's our jingle for today. I hope you liked it. <laughs> I hope everybody liked that. That was an Dudes cast karaoke exclusive. Yeah. If you can't tell, this is 7, 8 a.m. in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we're coming at you with all the energy all it's full force all of it it's not much but it's full force it's all full of force. it we're giving our best effort <laughs> welcome to the Ladude cast i am your co-host austin and i am levi the main host and oh okay <laughs> and what we do here is we discuss books we read books and then we break them down we discuss mm-hmm. them try to relate them to real world things maybe bring up some movies or tv shows in the process what we enjoy mm-hmm. out of life we just try to bring it all together every every little aspect and we didn't read a book today or for this podcast but we did read three short stories mm-hmm. and my co-host to the co-host <laughs> is trying to pull up these three stories what was the one that you suggested is the olums or something the wa- the ones that walk away from omela omela that's what it is yeah and we can just start with that one cool. so the ones who walk away from omela by ursula k leguin ursula k leguin coming in clutch he just googled that so this is a <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> this is a <laughs> short story about um just I'll give you a little breakdown. Spoiler alert. This is a short story about a beautiful utopian society. This society is just running on firing on all cylinders. It is the bee's knees, the most idealistic place one could be in one could live in and so the first half of the story is just just really hammering it home to the audience that this is a wonderful place to be and however yeah however um the reason why this society functions in the way that it does in this utopian vision of the society is based on a child that is abused and living in a basement. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Pretty bad. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so to further explain that, it says that this society can only function if they keep a child, like, just tortured, beaten down, mm-hmm. just... Really Sitting just, in its own crap and excrement mm-hmm. and pee. Having festering wounds because of that. It's just... In the dark, in the cold. And all the society knows about it. They get told about this child that is tortured for the betterment of their society at a young age. And well, it's just like... It, it, there's no like cause and effect. like um, But it's just kind of like... 
it's a necessary yeah there's evil. no real linkage like we got to yeah. do this and you know it's tears power our energy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like know? anything like that it's not like that but it's just <laughs> it's it's just really more metaphorical than anything yeah um and but there are some people that walk away very very few and far in between but there are people that walk away from this society this this city called Omelis 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 what do you think about it um i liked it mm-hmm. i would like to go ahead and start off by saying that the three stories we chose for this uh this podcast Kind of my favorite out of the short story surveys that we've done. Pretty solid. Like, all three of these, I was like, ooh, these are pretty good. Um, that being said, I thought of a lot of things when I was reading this story. Um, one thing just popped into the top of my head is I thought of Memphis. Um, because like Memphis, Mem- Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't know when the last time you went to Memphis was, but like, there's this, there's this uh, island called Mud Island. Mm-hmm. And it's where like all of the medical students live and all the doctors for all the hospitals they have there and like lawyers, super wealthy people. And it's an island like separated, separated from, the-, from <laughs> the crime and terribleness of Memphis. And like you seriously, you go across the bridge and it's just like, la la land, like I can't do you mm-hmm. super nice, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just like it kind of reminded me of that where it was like everyone knows that like right across the street there's mm. a bunch of poverty and a bunch of crime and a bunch of terrible things going on but they're just here and they're just like yeah it happens over there mm. but we've got like a great view of like you know the sunrise or whatever yeah and um it, uh, that was kind of functioning in my head um what else was i kind of thinking about well that story's so good because you can make that that link that correlation that parallel to pretty much well, yeah. Any, any, any like suburb. America as a whole, yeah. you can make the make an argument that America as a whole is this utopian vision society, and China is the ugly child. I mean, with that's what I was mostly thinking of. Yeah, I mean, because we literally have con- they literally in China have concentration camps, and in these concentration camps they have slave workers that are uh, building our crap, like Nike, building wearing Nike right now. I mean. They literally have me. slaved workers. They literally have slaved workers making our clothes, and like we all know about it. Mm-hmm. If you don't know about it by now, you're just ignorant, naive, or I don't know, got your head in the sand. But yeah, and so you could make the same parallel with like LA's homeless problem and stuff yeah. like that. It's, no, and like that's that's kind of what I was getting at. It's like it's just like this micro. Like Memphis was, I don't, I'm not trying to shit on Memphis, but like, Kinda you see that. like you're shitting on Memphis. I mean, I mean you went there first. Great and grind. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm just saying like, yeah, it is. It's, it's just a metaphor for life and like kind of the stuff we put up with to like make sure we're comfortable. Yeah. Um, who did you think if that metaphor exists, who do you think are the people that walk away? I had that same question. I actually wrote that down to bring Ooh. that up. I don't know. I don't know if they're like, I feel like. You have to be extremely naive, mm-hmm. you know, to, what are you looking up? I'm trying to find a quote. Um, it should, I don't know. I just find it super, I don't, I don't think anybody, I think everybody's hands are dirty. I don't think there are people that walk away from this. Like China being the hugest thing. Like we, mm-hmm. every country knows about China's dirty secrets and yet we still do business with them. We did that, like, and, you know, we always were asked and and 
history class in like elementary school when we were learning about World War II, like how could the world let this happen? And it's like, well, mm. Germany was kind of a superpower and Germany, you know, had a lot of money and they were slinging dick and everybody was just like, yeah, you know, we don't really... We don't really need, we yeah. don't really want to dip our toes. Like that's all rumors. They all thought it was rumors that they were rounding up Jews and stuff. And that's not true. I mean, they knew, I mean, we know about China now. And so it's just like, yeah, money, money. Well, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, we can go on all day with examples like kids in cages at the border. Yeah. It's like, Hey, uh, newsflash that's still happening, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, but you know, and that's probably not a new thing. That's probably always been yeah, a thing it's like always for been a while. Thing. And it's like, we just kind of, we bring it up when we've got some other qualm mm-hmm. to like talk about. Um, my theory on who the people walking away uh, was like artists, because she had like this weird kind of like paragraph, um, and I was trying to find it here. I'm not sure if this is it. Must be, but it's like this is the treason of the artist: a refusal to admit the banality of evil and the terrible boredom of pain. If you can't lick them, join them. If it hurts, repeat it. But to praise despair is to condemn delight. To embrace violence is to lose hold of everything else. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And uh, I, I was just kind of like, that's what the, um, you know, the artist could do is they could look at the, the evil and instead of making it banal, they could just like leave and go into like this great unknown where everyone's like, why would you leave like the comfort of, you know, this life? Uh, I have a you know nine to five or whatever. And it's like, it's very comfortable family. And then, like, people who seek, um, which for her might be artists, are people who just, like, see the evil and are like, I'm going to go in a complete different direction despite the unknown. Um, that's the only reason I kind of thought that, because I was like, why else did she bring this up? She brought up no other... Because she's like, an artist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, she brought up no other subsect of people. Um, I see I see slaves and kings, but, you know... Um, I, when I was reading the story, I thought a lot about uh, Brave New World. And, yeah, yeah. And the guy that walked away from that society was already a guy that had been down and bad. Mm-hmm. You know, he had already experienced what the other side was, and he rejected the utopia uh, society. So, but there was nobody like that. There's nobody that's like, a, like they don't talk about this tortured kid that maybe grows up Well, they up say later. people go there. Like, kids they, go there and look at it. Look at it. And then some people, like, look at it, and then they have, like, I don't know, a come-to-Jesus moment, and then they walk away. Mm. I don't know. I don't think I don't think anybody in our society walks away from that. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I think, <clears throat> I mean, there's definitely wanderers, you know? Sure. Like, there's lots of people who are like, I just travel the world... Um, but you can make it all. You could always make an argument for the people that are constantly traveling. Like, what are you running away from? You know, that's always yeah. a, that's always a thing that like people say. Like, why won't you settle down? What are you running away from? What are you trying to get yeah. away from? I was just talking to a friend about that because um, he's he just bought like a ticket to Spain like on a whim. <laughs> you know, he's going through a lot of stuff, and he's just like, I'm going back to Sp- like I'm going to Spain. I need to find like this part of myself that loves to travel (laughs) yeah and i i just i just texted him i was just like make sure you're seeking not running and he's like oh i'm seeking for sure i was like all right word okay but um how do you separate those two you think seeking from running it's a feeling just getting your mindset right definitely 100 percent been times because i've traveled and there's been times for sure where i was seeking and i end up having a blast best time of my life and then there's times where i'm running and everything like it's a terrible trip and i think that's just kind of like um, 
because you can't it's like, it's get like yourself with, in the moment. You can't yeah. let the flow. It's like through. with it's like with drinking. It's like if you're drinking and you're like, I'm just gonna get blackout. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what's gonna happen. But if you're drinking, where it's like, I'm just gonna like take it easy and have a good time. That's prob- that might happen. You know, it's like it's kind of like your attitude going into it. Mm. Same thing with like any type of drug, I guess, is what I'm saying. But I say the same thing with travel. It's like, yeah, if you're going into it with like the wrong kind of attitude it's gonna it's gonna manifest somehow that way um another thing i was saying is like because we're talking about wanderers and people who walk away from quote-unquote amelis or whatever um maybe the wanderers are people who are like completely looking inward so instead of like they see themselves in that child yeah and so it's like by walking away they're not um they're not like wandering like i suggested like going from society to society but really they're removing themselves from society so that like all they have left is themselves to kind of like uh come to terms with um and maybe that would maybe that would lean better to the the artist kind of idea Mm. do you Um, think you walk away i think everybody does like in, in certain times like you see this oh you think like oh okay like continue you know, that thought yeah well i'm saying like everybody kind of has like a breaking point um and where you're confronted with evil or wrongness or something like that and you're forced to make a decision mm-hmm. i guess everyone doesn't walk away but everyone's confronted with that decision mm-hmm. and like that you know i think anytime you're in like ugliness um you can choose to uh you know what's the word i'm trying to you can either be passive and like kind of shrink to it or you can like be okay with conflict and bring up like hey this is not right and in that instance i think you are walking away and i think you are like calling attention to like hey it's not okay for us to like act like we're friends because this happened it's not okay for you to continue treating someone like this because of that um if that makes sense i don't know i can i can tell you better after a drink of water (laughs) (laughs) no i mean i think that that's a fair point. It's like maybe we all walk away at some point in our lives. Something mm-hmm. w- eventually will shake us and it will make us walk away from the uh, tortured kid in the corner, in the dark corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I feel like eventually you always end up coming back to that dream society. You always come yeah. back to the luxuries. You always come back to the, the pleasures of the world. It's extremely hard to maintain a um, type of uh, what what would you call that? Like a rejection of pleasures. Like it's, yeah. it's really hard to like maintain rejecting all the luxuries we and have. Comforts. Yeah, and comforts we have. My dad was talking to me once about, so he went to high school in a very like affluent part of the country um wheaton illinois and it's like one of those places where it's like you know all the grandparents knew each other and then they had kids and all the kids know each other and they all had kids and so it's like three four generations of people who've all lived there who've Mm -hmm. all been wealthy who've had very protected like nice lives and um he was telling me about just kind of the dynamics that happened there and for a lot of these people like they don't have any like trauma or anything happened in their life until maybe they're like 40 50 and then and, tragedy strikes and then, in the form of a death in the family yeah or, and then like their parent dies or something and that's like the first time that anything's ever happened to yeah. them and like the bubble is just burst and yeah. they freak out and they it's don't like, know how to cope they never had any yeah. ad- adversity. and it's like 
it's weird because it's like i kind of you know i keep thinking about like okay what are these utopias that we might have in our society and like the idea of suburbs just keeps popping into my head and then you know when confronted with um you know what might be seen as like a necessary evil like death um and it's necessary for some mystic reason we don't know why people have to die okay Mm -hmm. it just happens and it's like you either can you know take pills and just act like oh it's okay it's fine it's like i'm i still you know i still watch the game on sunday and i still got bachelor on thursday whatever or still blotted out with whatever or you can like allow that to be a wake-up moment and walk away living yeah yeah exactly i think i would give this story three and a half tortured kids out of five (laughs) and i i dock it a few points because it reads more like a thought experiment slash lecture like i i just we had a few of those this 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 go around yeah but like i just felt it was more like a like i couldn't it didn't seem real it didn't seem real at all Mm -hmm. the writing style just seemed make made it seem very like vague and just it didn't seem like a real place to me yeah so it it took me out of it it was much more about like the literary devices than like the actual narrative. Right. Precisely. And, yeah. You're kind of just like, hmm. So that's why I doctored a few points. I love the premise because I'm I always down for some dystopian. I kid though. Three and a half. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe know? it's a small person. <laughs> Speaking of small people. That's a good transition. That's a good segue. That's a good transition. I did that on purpose. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, uh, let's go to the next story. So the next story, yeah. let's talk about um, what was this story called? It was called um, "The Truth Is a Cave in the Black Mountains," a tale Ooh. of travel and darkness with pictures of all kinds mm. by Neil Gaiman. That is a huge title. That is when a, you I didn't, I didn't know there was a <laughs> subtitle. <laughs> when you sent that link to me, I didn't even check out the story title. I was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. That I, is I, a huge title. I just typed in, to find it this time, I just typed in Cave, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> so I was a little uh, confused by some of the um, storylines in this short story. So I'll let you break this one down. Okay. Um yeah, so I think both of us rushed to read this one. So yeah. this will be this will be nice and dandy. I hope you all did that same thing too. Uh, basically, what we have here is a a dwarf man. Um, uh, yeah, do we call them dwarfs, midgets, or little people? Midgets is a no. Midgets seems like a derogatory term, right? You hear call them little people, but like if I like. If I call somebody a little person. I mean, their character's little. So I think that's a pretty bad term to use as well on anybody. I, I know, I know, midget's not okay. <laughs> yeah, but that, cousin, that also changed in our lifetime. He told me little person. Yes, and, and but uh, like, but like I said, if I call you like a little person, like I would call somebody I don't like a little person because I think little of them. They're a little. M- I think I would say like person. you little man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying exactly. <laughs> but I wouldn't say person. Well, it's person, man, humankind, yeah. whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so dwarf, I guess. Yeah, we're, we'll go with dwarf. Um, where was I? I wasn't Sorry. very far. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Just start he, from the there's there's like this cave uh, by this mountain with gold in it, and. Um, He's he's trying to find this person named uh, Clayman, oh, Cayman McGinnis or something. 
Callum um, McGinnis. Callum McGinnis. There it is. I thought about that because it sounded like Gavin McGinnis. Uh, <laughs> but Callum McGinnis. And um, he's just trying to find this person as a guide to kind of take him to this this Because cave. Callum has been there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he finds him, takes some convincing to get him to join the journey. It kind of feels like Lord of the Rings a little bit. I thought the same thing. I thought um, it was like a te- like a, the, Hobbit, the Hobbit, the Hobbit, Hobbit yeah. or something. There might be a lot of like homages there. Um, sure. Anyway, um, I wasn't li- reading it that critically. But like basically they go off. All they have is like food and rope or something. Uh, they run into some ladies Um one person they stay at the house and like the the lady's husband isn't there and there's like weird vibes and uh we can talk about that later plowing through um they have to kind of well they were seeking shelter because of the rain they get up to like closer to the cave and they don't want to stay in the cave and they end up kind of talking about um just life and like what crimes and secrets i think secrets is kind of like a big theme throughout this whole thing and it uh, it becomes apparent, which ties back to the beginning of the book or the story, uh, that um, you know that this guy has killed a girl before, and this girl you know could be the dwarf's Callum. daughter. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so kind of with this knowledge, he's like he has a hunch. He's not like certain of it. Um, the dwarf goes into it's an unnamed person so i'm not just saying dwarf but like the the narrator dwarf, the narrator just goes nice the small narrator <laughs> the small narrator <laughs> small body little narrator the little narrator goes into the cave and um you know it's kind of been sprinkled throughout the story that he's got some like special abilities and he's like he's like half god i think and half human and um so there's it's really just an illusion of gold and really they're just rocks and there's some sort of like spirit that's whispering to him and he finds out that the secret is in fact true that this this guy killed his daughter uh by way of kind of just like negligence like he tied her up to something and then like you know assumed she would get out or someone would help her and she ended up dying and um so then there's this moment her by her hair yeah so then there's like this moment of tension where he leaves the cave and uh, he tries to kill the guy who killed his daughter. They have this tussle. They fall down the mountain. Um, and uh, McKenna's like breaks his arm and his leg or something like this. And, you know, there's like this moment where like the dwarf is like, I'll leave you here for a year. Just like you left my daughter. Mm. Boom, smack, mic drop. And like, uh, yeah, he kind of just journeys back home, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Or whatever. So he gets his vengeance. He I gets guess. his yeah. He gets his vengeance uh, poetically. Yeah, some yeah. poetic justice there. Uh, did I cover everything? I believe so. I, believe I think I missed. The, maybe they met one more person along the way. Um, the ship guy, the fair, the the fairy toll guy. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of. It was just a guy, kind of like outside of the uh, cave island thing that they were trying to go to. And he ferried him away there, and all those islander people that were close to the cave are like, "Don't, don't go yeah. seeking gold. Don't go seeking whatever that is." And so, I guess let's go ahead and break that down. There's a lot there. Um, this story is um, this story is definitely more like about narrative than the mm-hmm. previous one. And we've got some nice like themes to kind of like sure. chunk into if we want to. Anyway, I think like so. Just starting off from the beginning. Uh, 
what is it? I'm about to say Gavin McInnes, Callum McInnes or whatever his name is. Uh, he's kind of sketchy. He's kind of dodgy. We automatically kind of want to be on the little narrator side of things because, well, it is his story. So I guess, of course, we're going to think more of him as a protagonist character. But they go to this, uh, they're, they're traveling to this cave to find the gold and they stumble across this house and there's like some abuse going on between uh, this wife and husband mm -hmm. and the little narrator right there. You can see that the little narrator kind of has a problem with the abuse. Like he couldn't sleep. He was freaking out over his, uh, this guy beating his wife for letting them, the travelers uh, stay at their house. Mm -hmm. And Callum McKinnis wasn't startled by that. So that, that was like the first thing that I kind of noticed. It was like a little, like showing their moral and their mm. ethics of things like Cal, you can already kind of see Callum doesn't give a shit about women and doesn't care. Like he thinks obviously that like men can do what they want, I guess for their wives. And he's just kind of a darker figure in that way. And you see that our little narrator has more of a more principles to him. Mm hmm. So that that was the first thing that I was like, okay, yeah, okay. kind of tips you off, right? Kind of start seeing good sides to bad sides, and and then they move along, and then I didn't really understand all the cave stuff, but like I guess the way I saw it was like the cave was going to give you whatever you sought. So mm -hmm. for Callum originally, it was gold. Callum had already been there, and he went and got gold, and. It took a piece of his soul because I guess... Yeah, you like pay for it. You pay for it. And I mean, gold, riches, wealth, whatever you want to call it, is never really the answer to happiness or like finding yeah, happiness. It's, it's like making a deal with the devil. Sure. Like, I'll give you anything you want, but like you give me the thing that's most precious, which is your soul. So sure. now you're with me. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess what I thought that cave was, was the cave was going to give you whatever you wanted good or bad mm -hmm. and the consequences that followed may be good or bad. It just depends on kind of what you were seeking. And our little narrator sought the truth. That's mm -hmm. what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to find the truth. He wanted to figure out who killed his daughter, what happened and the spirit souls, whatever was in that cave gave him what he sought. Do you and think so it took his soul? Cursed. No, I don't think I don't think he was cursed cursed with knowledge. I mean, that's a theme. I mean, that's literally, you know, the oldest story, Adam and Eve. It's you know, the they took from the tree of good and evil and gained knowledge and they were cursed for it. It's Yeah. Did you see theme. any biblical things going on here? <clears throat> mm. I don't know, did you? For a little while I kept thinking that the cave was more like a tomb. And like I was thinking, it was like maybe that's where like Jesus was, and like He's I don't getting know, getting reborn. Yeah, something. You know, I was kind of I was trying to force my mind into that direction, maybe. So I don't know if I'm like stretching for illusions there, but um, yeah, I was kind of like, I wonder if this is like a tomb thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would might have to go back and relook at it. I wanted to read it a second time to start picking it now that I you know know the whole story yeah. and go back and see, yeah. uh, you know, all that stuff, but. Yeah, I just thought the cave was going to give give anybody that went in there whatever they desired. Yeah. And so for our little narrator, it was the truth, and he came out and he found the truth, and yeah. And I, I think you see the cave. Like, what would you think of it? 
no i mean similarly yeah and i think it's just like just like our last story it's like you can apply that to kind of what anybody seeks in life whether it's money um or it's like they want to have great looks or it's like they just want to be like super powerful or something like that you're always kind of you're cursed with a thing as well because you're you're a little bit um you know you're you're committing one of those cardinal sins Mm -hmm. you know and there's always it's always going to take something from you Mm -hmm. um i know like david foster wallace has a great bit and um i think it's in the this is water which you've read is yeah where he's talking about like you you want one thing you'll always feel this so it's like if you worship power you always feel weak if you worship looks you always feel ugly if you worship money you always feel poor and he like he just goes through all of the list and it's like you know i think in the cave you kind of you kind of see this where it's like you want the truth and it's like he's felt lied to the whole time you know you want the truth and then all of a sudden it hurts really really bad it doesn't make you feel relieved it makes you feel burdened Mm -hmm. and um you know i think there's a smidge of that operating there um but yeah, there was a side of me that was kind of like, I wonder if this is like a tomb thing. I was getting Lord of the Rings vibes. It was, was definitely like a tale of tales, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like a tale as old, old as time set around the camp. And mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you, have you read Neil Gaiman before? No. Okay. How did you just like the, the writing? Um, I thought, I thought it was good. He knew what he was doing. He definitely had, like, I feel like. Does he? What else does he do? What else does he write? Because it seemed very niche that he could write like kind of like fantasy tales. Yeah, he's super famous. He's super good. He's done the um, uh, Coraline movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So So he is in kind of like fantasy and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's him. American Gods is him. Um, Anansi Boys is him. Oh Um, really? American Gods. I've been meaning to check that out. Yeah, American Gods. uh, Sand Sandman, the super famous Mm -hmm. comic series. That's him. Um, Okay. And he's got, I can actually give it to you because I've got it downloaded. He's got a master class of writing that is just, I mean, stupendous. It's what so does that good. mean for, for, for the like the audience that doesn't know what a, a, a master is? Um, oh, master, oh, yeah, master yeah, yeah, okay. Is. I'm not like just well, ask, you, asking for a friend. You know, the, these master classes, they just take like the top, like James Cameron has one for like film or like Steve Martin has one for comedy. And it's literally just like, you know, like a, a video college course um from like the greatest greats of their industry and they just they just give you detailed lessons on like this is what this is how you do comedy this is how you do writing this is how you do directing this is how you like i think dave ramsey so just not like dave ramsey uh gordon ramsey has one for like this is cooking my master class oh so no gallman's just kind of like reviewing his uh literature theories yeah and, so and bas- philosophies. basically and they're kind of expensive <coughs> I, you know i torrented this one but like um yeah it's basically like 18 hours or like 18 video segments of him just being like no we're gonna talk about like you know process or now we're gonna talk about mm. like how to build a narrative from an that's idea. cool yeah yeah it's yeah. really really good and he's a very highly esteemed writer he lives in he li- he's british but he lives in uh in america Anyway, I, I was glad to finally read this story I had yeah. read before. Yeah, that's cool. Um, do you, so okay. Do you think our little narrator got what he wanted at the at the end of the story? After he's, you know, he's fought with this guy. This guy's going to clearly die where he's at because he's broken, and he's like, "Swear to me, you'll come back." And he's like, "Oh, I swear, I swear, I swear, I'll come back in a year." <laughs> 
after he already did. Yeah. You know, so do you think he, I mean, got what he wanted? I mean, I think it would, go, it's beneficial to probably read the very beginning, unless you can remember it. Because he's, he's saying like, I'm not sorry for this. I'm not sorry for that. I'm not sorry for anything in my life, but I am sorry for the Are one the year. Are saying that? Or huh? Yeah, the narrator. So at the beginning of the the story, the narrator's just kind of like uh, enumerating like things he's not sorry for, uh, kind of being a tough guy there. And then um, he's like, "But I am deeply sorry for the one year that I hated my daughter for abandoning abandoning us and running away." And he's like, "I really hated my True. daughter for doing this." And he's like, "I forgot and, all about that." Yeah. So he, you know, he kind of bookends the story with like this very very deep regret about. Uh, hating his daughter because she you know ran away from them uh you have this story where it's like this big journey and then at the other end of the story is kind of like this revelation where it's like oh she didn't run away this motherfucker killed her Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like um what was your question again (laughs) but like (laughs) do you think he he's satisfied yeah yeah yeah. so i do think it's just like that closure um, and he kind of sets you up with like, I'm going to have like, I'm going to tell you, you know, why I'm sorry about this event towards the end. It's like, this is why I'm sorry because I finally found out that it was this guy. So I'm going to go the opposite direction. I don't think he is going to be satisfied because even the townspeople, even the people that were closest to the cave that would not go into the cave and was trying to mm. send everybody that was seeking the cave to go back and not to do it. Uh, they were all really freaked out and agreed that that cave would curse you. So well, that's what so, I was asking. So really I if think he was cursed. So yeah, I think perhaps not cursed, but maybe he is cursed. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think he got what he wanted because. And I I think this, and it's about to be very philosophical, but I don't hmm. think creating suffering on the way to enlightenment will give you enlightenment like Mm -hmm. and so he caused another person to suffer whether that he wanted they were fighting to the death or not he created suffering with that guy and so i think eventually like that's a curse in itself Yeah, i mean the cycle continues yeah it's like doesn't doesn't uh gavin mckinnis have a uh a son callum yes yeah, so like now, yeah, so he left now his it's son. Just, now it's just like continuing the legacy where sure. the son is just like, what happened to my father? You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, you know, there will be another time where they go seek this cave of truth. Yeah, and the cycle will continue unless someone sure. breaks it. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was asking earlier. Was so like, that might be a curse in itself? Yeah, I mean, there's no question in my mind that like as he let that evil kind kind of come inside of him and by getting that answer he he gave something up for sure we're not i don't think we're told explicitly what that is but i think you know you can kind of extend the story backwards and be like yeah this is going to continue um can you see yourself in any person in this story uh probably the beaten wife (laughs) same no Same. same same no i mean i don't know it's 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 a very like i mean the cave of truth it's like anyone with any imagination can see themselves being like one, you know, seeking that cave of truth and wanting yeah. to like some answer. Um, what would your cave have in it? 
that's for me and you to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, any. I mean, anything. Like, you know, why are we here? You know, like, why did this questions hap- knowledge? Why did, that's, yeah, that'd why probably did, be my cave. Why did like this trauma happen to me when wisdom. I was younger? You know, why? And like, you know, what's my deeper purpose? Like, and that in itself probably be a curse. <clears throat> yeah. So anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then you know, how much time we got? I think that should lead us into our next story. We've got a. Much much lighter topic, <laughs> the balloon. Another kind. Oh wait, of- hey, wait, wait, hang on. I give the the truth is a cave in the Black Mountains, a tale of travel and darkness with pictures of all kinds. Three and a half gold coins out of five. Three and a half again. Mm-hmm. Just three and a half ties. Three and a half out here. All right, Moving yeah. into our next story. Moving into the next story. Um, speaking balloon. speaking of uh, Dave Foster Wallace, apparently um, this is like one of his favorite short stories. I could see that. Being the person that he was, being like yeah. anti-TV uh, and anti-those pleasures of TV and media and stuff like that. But it, that that was like his curse, and then seeing this, oh, I get it, I get it. Go with the story. Yeah, do with the story. Yeah, yeah, you smell what I'm stepping in. Yes. Anyway, so this is called the balloon by Donald Bartholomew. Um, what a name, Bartholomew. Yeah, you never know what these writers or actors if it's their real name real either. Name. You like, think he's faking? <laughs> Who names? I don't know, Bartholomew? man. I don't know. Yeah, Donalds aren't very popular right now. True. True. Um, Anyway, I can take this one or you can take this one. Take it. Take it away. This was your suggestion. Take it away. Yeah, it's not It's not super complicated. Um, it's not even really a plot. Uh, what you have basically here is this like liminal event where a big-ass balloon kind of just is inflated across 45 blocks of Manhattan. Huge um, balloon. Huge, <laughs> huge balloon. And, um, you know... It almost didn't make sense to me. Like, it was almost unfathomable i'm like what does that even mean is it just yeah we can dig into that um and so it just covers a huge amount of the city um and really what you have is kind of like this this rotating perspective of what people think the balloon means how they feel about it um there's like certain uh logistical things that the balloon offers where like people can climb up on it and like take shortcuts around the city and they can tell people to meet somewhere according to the balloon yeah (laughs) like we've all got that where it's like oh yeah go pack past the quick sack around you know whatever and it's like i'll be there so they start talking you know about geography like that um with regards to the balloon uh some people hate it some people love it everybody has an opinion on it um and I think that just kind of infuses like a lot of like, well, a lot of what we've been talking about here was just kind of like, what, what is this balloon? What could this balloon be? And like, um, these people who have opinions about the balloon, like, do they not have these opinions about everything that happens in, you know, mm-hmm. shared life? Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the, and then what was that last paragraph? Cause it like the last paragraph was it like got into like love or something. And I was yeah, just like confused. So the last paragraph is, um, it's it's basically my idea is the balloon of, lasts for twenty two days, right? Yeah, like yeah. That. and think, then it like pops or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, well, they just take it down, I think. But who put it up there? It, I, th- this guy just puts it up there. Um, anyway, this last paragraph <laughs> it might be just worthy to read. Um, 
but they talk about like it has gas and like whatever yeah. and he he didn't want to tell anyone why i think it was like this guy anyway this is this is the balloon uh final paragraph here spoilers uh, I met you under the balloon on the occasion of your return from Norway. You asked if it was mine. I said it was. The balloon, I said, is a spontaneous autobiographical disclosure having to do with the unease I felt at your absence and with sec- sexual deprivation. But now that your visit to Bergen, Bergen, Bergen has been terminated, it is no longer necessary or appropriate. Removal of the balloon was easy. Trailer trucks carried away the depleted fabric, which is now stored in West Virginia awaiting some other time of unhappiness sometime perhaps when we are angry with one another um so he's got this big story kind of um where he just explains this balloon being over manhattan and then there's this last kind of like admission about like actually this is a metaphor about like you leaving and like (laughs) now i'm back chilling at my parents house in west virginia i had 22 days in new york where like you know i talked to to everyone about it and this is how they feel that's kind of that was my read on it Hmm. um where it's kind of like okay because i took it way more literal i took the whole idea way more literal i was like oh there's just like a random balloon that is in new york And then that last paragraph, I was like, what? what, what, what?" (laughs) You know, I was so confused. Because, like, I love the idea of this balloon just, like, kind of coming out of nowhere. Like, it's just there one day. Yeah, and just yeah. popped up and like and they they say they couldn't like nobody could take it down so like the government's just like oh, I don't know it's kind of like these alien things like oh, it's just like spaceships or UFOs we don't know yeah we don't know well it kind of seems like the weather it's like <clears throat> okay how does everybody feel about like the heat or the a rain? shared experience yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so yeah and I liked I liked that this balloon just kind of came out of nowhere it was huge it was in everybody's lives so everybody had an opinion everybody wanted to talk about it and. Um, I just kind of liked that social commentary aspect of it. And then it went completely like left field. It was like, this is actually a metaphor about love. <laughs> well, he didn't, he didn't, yeah, he didn't necessarily say that, but he was just kind of like, for me, it's about sexual deprivation and loneliness or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like for other people, like there was other opinions, you know, and it's like everyone kind of like attached their own meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And then he has like this weird paragraph about like, well, we attach meaning to everything. Yeah. And um, that's kind of like a human natureistic type of thing where it's like we want to have, especially in America, being an individualistic society, like we have our own opinions about everything. Like yeah. we want to be in the know about everything and we want to mm-hmm. be the the voice of knowledge about everything like we and so we have to find meaning in everything yeah i mean to make it make sense just anyone who reads this story just think about this balloon as covid i mean everybody has their own it's idea not a, it's not a physical thing but we definitely talk about time in relation to the coronavirus mm-hmm. like i was doing 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 this this and this and then coronavirus which is happened. navigation in itself yeah be like at this time with just corona. a different landscape yeah. so and everyone has their own feeling about it i mean there's one guy who's like the balloon is just blocking the beautiful sky yeah. and then the narrator is kind of like it's january the sky is gloomy and gray the balloon has beautiful beiges and sun yeah. orange tints which is like, kind of like a i want to keep on the tradition type thing like I, yeah. I, I, I don't change the narrative don't change what's always been that's that yeah. guy yeah and in, in the context of coronavirus it's people who are like you know i can't i can't do anything or whatever and it's like it's 
you know, you wouldn't be doing anything anyway. You'd be yeah. you'd be at work from nine to five. Now you're working at home, chilling with the kids. Sure. And so it's like there's different perspectives to have be had. And it's like I know for me and a lot of my friends who took advantage, uh, even like starting podcasts or whatever with it, you know, like <laughs> Bingo was his name. Huh? Yeah, just like <laughs> doing fun things during the virus. It's like, you know applicable to this story where it's just like any kind of big liminal event it's like you know what your what's your perspective on it and how can you like derive meaning from it and make it useful in some way for yourself yeah it thinking about how everybody has to have their own opinions on things um steven pinker which is this it's really just this basic idea steven pinker this cognitive psychologist um has this idea that like maybe we should stop having opinions on everything because we don't have that type of knowledge. Like well, most people leave, don't leave, leave it to the extreme specialists in those fields and like stop worrying about all these different things and like wanting to have an opinion on these things when you most likely have a very, very rudimentary concept of, of all these things. Yeah. And it's such a basic idea, but like hearing it, you're like, Oh yeah. Like why do I, care about xyz why do i have to have an opinion why do i have to fill my mind with such trivial nonsense that doesn't really yeah you know well i mean i totally agree and i think i mean there's a lot of people talking about like a lot of people have opinions on opinions right (laughs) and it's it's like like that's what we're talking about that's what we're talking about now like i think you don't need this is what this podcast is it's our opinion on books (laughs) but like i think you know i Truthfully, I don't know how many opinions people actually have, and I think a lot of people are just political, where it's like, maybe you're one of like six political identities, and then you, all of your opinions ascribe to what... Yeah, that that, team is saying. That team says, Um, which I mean, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, and it's hilarious to see you like kind of break those norms, where it's like, yeah, I, I believe in this and this and this, so somebody's like, oh, so you are part of this team, and it's like... Well, no, because I also believe in this and this and this. And then as soon as you, you know, stray yeah. away from the norm of whatever team you sub- you're supposed to subscribe to, people lose their minds. They don't know how to yeah. fit you into a category. And I think, you know, that's that's a little bit, if we're going to talk about left and right, I think that's a little bit different about the left is they just eat each other alive. Um, no one can ever be good enough. No one's ever good enough. There was like a big mess after Pride Rally. And, like, they didn't even know how to handle it. They're just like, look at this crazy mess. Pride. And now brown and ba- brown and black essential workers have to clean this up from pride. Oof. And, like, it was just like this. <laughs> it was this crazy back and forth. And, like, these are the people that were most affected by the pandemic. And, like. But then again, you they can't see how much progress we've made in the LGBTQ community. Like. Anyway. It, it was. So, <laughs> that, it's that like. Wild. I don't know for, like, you know. A lot of my political stances are like fuck that, you know. Like <laughs> it's just kind of like, and people let like, people live. That's let people do their own thing. Yeah, and I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Like I think, I think you know, if 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 the God or universe gave you some reason to live, and you've got a deep passion to fight for X Y Z movement, do that. I've got some of those movements in my heart, and I'll I'll do that. And it's like we don't all have to like have the same like 
stance on every single movement you know mm-hmm. and it's like and you're not the devil or a nazi if no. you if and you do like, stray away from yeah that. it's like people say this all the time it's like yeah i, did, I didn't donate till cancer research till i got cancer you know or like, you know something yeah. like this and then it's like then it became well, it's my, like well yeah <laughs> yeah then it became my battle and like i did this for it and it's like okay great it's like but not everybody has to always do everything mm-hmm. um we got a lot of we we moved away from the balloon, but no, I don't think so. I really don't think so, and I think that's why a uh, super intelligent guy like Mr. Wallace enjoyed it because it's like it's it's just this huge crazy twenty two day phenomena that like quite literally can just be anything to anyone, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like having it looks different from it from every perspective, but it affects us all the same, and it you know I think. Um, moving into other topics is very natural with this story. Hmm. This story uh, reminded me a lot of, there's a uh, pretty good, what is it called? Love, Sex, and Robots. Death, Sex, and Robots. It's a Netflix miniseries. Oh, is that the cartoon? Yeah, and it's like anime stuff. And and there was this episode, it's about like 10, 15 minutes long, give it a watch, where this kind of like, what is it, Gulliver's Travel, where the big human kind of like washes up on shore. Mm. Is that Gulliver's Travel? No, what is that? What movie is it where like King Kong? <laughs> no, I think even Jack Black. Jack Black was in King Kong, wasn't he? No, it's like Jack Black even like um, did a remake of this movie where he's like a big guy that kind of like washes, like gets kicked off a boat or something like that, what? and and washes up about? on shore, and it's all these like little microscopic humans. What are you talking? Do you not know about? what I'm talking about? This no, is a movie. Look this movie up. Anyways, while you look that up, because this is a real thing, I'm not just making this up in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, in this movie this dead human body that is like colossal size maybe like eight stories tall washes up on this shore and um, and all these people in this <laughs> I'm on. getting the wash with uh, Snoop Dogg Eminem no, no, Ludacris no. <laughs> uh, what is Gulliver's Travel that was the first thing that came to my mind. That's no, what is that? that oh, I don't know. Anyways, so this big man washes up on shore <laughs> and, and big like man. All yes. Yes, colossal size man. <laughs> Large person. Large okay. person. Large person. He's about like eight stories tall and he's dead and all these people in the society are like, What the hell? Where'd this come from? Like imagine just a huge human being just washing up on shore, Levi. It's probably Gulliver's Travel. I was right. Two thousand ten film with Jack right. Black. Okay, don't make me feel silly. I'm not trying to make you feel silly. But yeah, so basically it's like that. And so like all the society is like, oh my God, look at this. This is a huge human being and everybody's fascinated by it. And then eventually the fascination dies. And eventually some people go to this big body and look at it and, you know, put graffiti all over it or like jump on it just to say they jump on it, take a picture with it. And they're like, okay, cool. Now let's walk away. And so it really kind of reminded me of the balloon story that we just mm-hmm. read because it's just like, yeah, it's like this huge balloon and it's kind of just like there and it's really fascinating at first, but then the excitement kind of goes away. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess the excitement never really went away with this balloon story, but like eventually it would, you know what I'm saying? Eventually yeah. that would just be a part of everyday thing 
when like we just kind of move on we don't we don't care yeah and i think that last paragraph kind of like you know he's just like i met you at this time the balloon for him was just kind of like hey i was depressed and sexually deprived and like i met you under that you know cloud or balloon that was in my life and um now it's gone and i you know it i popped pop, yeah i put <laughs> it gone i put it away like you know and i think like you know we can all kind of we can all think about that where it's like i mean think of fight club think of i met you at a very strange time in my life you know or like people who fall in love in middle school or high school it's like everybody's going through shit you know it's like or even that one short story that we read about the was it the, the one guy. perfect person mm-hmm. yeah it's like and so i think that the balloon kind of offers a big little you know canvas for people to kind of be like okay this is what it could mean for me um anyway what would you what would you rate it mr dooley Three and a half balloons out of five. Oh, my. You gave them all the same rating? There was not one story that really spoke to me more than the other. How can you rank them, then? What do you mean? Three gold medals? No first, second, third? Mm, Nope. Okay. I'll do the the first, second, third. (laughs) I'll make some... uh, I'll make some... Some... uh, Big man executive decisions. Okay, that's here. rude. Maybe I'm for equality. Okay, we've already pissed off well, small not people today. <laughs> so and big people today. They're not all the same story. They can't. All- anyway, so here's <laughs> what I think. Um, I so I said this earlier. I really I think this was our best three that we've had. So I like all of them. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, you can't just like all of them. I can like all of them. <laughs> But I can't like them all equally. <laughs> well, I like them all equally, and you can't be mean to me for that. I think I gotta go with uh, Ursula number one. The, the um, the little tortured kid, Os- Os- Osemela, wherever uh, they walk those away. Those that walk away from a mouse. Yeah, I gotta go with that one number one. Um, I hear you on that. It's like not a real place, but um. I like it. Mm. I like it. And then I got to go with... Uh, whew, it's tough. I got to go balloon second. And then Neil Gaiman. He's got to be third. Even though I liked all of them. Mm-hmm. I, would rank it, I would rank it that way. Is there any... That's very good. Um, is there any stories that we read in this podcast that you would recommend to like, is there a group of people that you would recommend these short stories to like each one? I think, I think I would give the balloon would be the most recommendable, um, to most people. Yeah. And I, if I saw someone who was, they've got to be the right person though, you know, where it's like, I wouldn't just recommend like, you know, any indie movie that's kind of out there. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever that guy's name Kaufman or something like um Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind or w- being like John Malkovich that guy whatever that is um I wouldn't recommend his movies to anyone but if I saw someone who like kind of had through something yeah kind of had something about him where it's like I just need like a movie to like just make me sit um yeah I would I would recommend them this type of story mm. just be like hey read this twice you know and like <laughs> Cause it's it it'll just make you think like yeah. 
you, I know throughout the rest of my day, I'll just kind of be like, what is that balloon? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Where's that balloon in my life? Yeah. Or like, what would it have been? You know? So I think um, that's the most recommendable to you. Yeah. I'd so. probably have to agree. I think, I think the, uh, it's short, just, it's a little mind fuck. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and the balloon could be so, so many different things. I think, uh, the t- little tell story with, uh, the gold in the cave, mm-hmm. I think that could be for like, anybody that really enjoyed the hobbit or something like yeah, that yeah i think that's like a teen that's like a telltale that's for like teens yeah. i yeah. feel like um yeah. pre-teens teens yeah and neil, neil gaiman's known for that is like kind of writing stuff for younger people uh-huh. well, although anyone can enjoy him and then the ones who walk away that could be for anybody that just enjoys a good utopian dystopian yeah to me and also some like anybody that um enjoys politics enjoys mm-hmm. you know thinking of ideas idealistic ways to solve problems and yeah and i i i've heard her name a lot she's a very famous writer so i i'd like to dig more into her sure um which is maybe why i gave her the edge because it's just curiosity you know woman privilege Ooh, didn't think about that <laughs> well uh, next time we join you guys on the Ladudes cast, it will be remote. Yeah, it'll first be time doing that. We're gonna be separated. I'll be still in Tennessee, and Levi will be in under the balloon. Under the balloon in Brooklyn. Where? Are you, what borough are you gonna be in? Do you know? Uh, Battery City Park. So not Brooklyn. We're gonna be like. I, I have no idea where that's supposed to be. Where's that? Head? So <laughs> if like it's in Manhattan. Okay, Manhattan. It's the very lower. That's That's all I'm going to need to know because I I don't know. I don't ever want to go to New York City or I haven't had the want to go. (laughs) Like, I'll go see you. I'll go see you for sure. I've just never have held New York City in that high of regard, like at least like everybody else does. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm right there with you, but I'm opposite. Like, Every it's very mo- exciting. Every movie, every song has told me to love it, and then I get there and I'm kind of like, Mer. like, what is this? Mer. Yeah, Mer. <laughs> a little underwhelming. Um, I don't know, but I mean, definitely super fun. But yeah. also, it's kind of like you're confronted with BS every time you like leave the yeah. door. So it's like, okay, that's reality as well. It stinks to me. Yeah, let's not end on this note. <laughs> yeah, let's not. I, I gotta go. We're there. gonna be. We're gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> All right, love you. Uh, yeah. So next time we join y'all, we're gonna be uh, doing it remote, and we're going to be reading "Freedom" by Sebastian Younger. I'm going young. I'm going younger. Younger, not younger. Not younger. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, have you? You've already finished it, right? I have not, but I mean, I okay. feel like we could finish it in yeah, less it's like than two hours. Yeah, it's like 140, 50 pages or something like that. Yeah. Um, so very doable. If you've gotten this far, Mom, uh, please, <laughs> please read along. Um, uh, but also, Levi, I'll tell you right now, and if anybody that joins us reading this book, I would like to put this out there that we should have an idea of what freedom means to us before we read. Mm-hmm. and after we read and i will ask you that on our next podcast cool yeah well um thanks for listening guys thanks for listening this was the Ladudes cast the dudes and we cast. will uh smell you later <laughs>